Well, good morning. How you guys doing today? It's a good day, good weekend. The Broncos are 5-0. and Going to be good, that's right. The Chiefs are 5-0 and too. Now, for those of you who don't know, my name is Justin McVeigh. I'm the student pastor here at Fellowship of the Rockies. And, you know, for nine years, I've kept it pretty tight and pretty close to the sleeve. And only a few of my closest friends know this. But guys, I'm a Chiefs fan, okay? So I just, I have to put that out there right now today. And so we're 5-0, and so I'm pretty happy to. Wow, clapping. I didn't expect that at all. They booed in the last service. So, uh, but, uh, you know, hey, it's Sunday, and that means they got to play the game, and that means change could be on the way for one or both teams, all right? And in fact, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about change. Can't live with it, can't live without it, all right? A wise man once said that change is the only constant in life. And as I look around at our society today, I think that's never been truer. The fact that change is just happening at a record pace. But the more I look around, the more I talk with people, the more I dig deeper into it, I realize that the majority of people in our world today really don't want true change. You see, I looked up change in Webster's Dictionary, and that first definition, so short but just so impactful, it says, to become different. To become different. You see, I think when many people talk about change, what they really want is for everyone else to change and be more like them. We want people to change so that we don't have to, because let's just be honest, for most of us, we don't like different, and we don't want to become different, because that means, that means stepping out of our comfort zone, and that, that's uncomfortable, and so we avoid this by calling for everyone else to change, and everyone else to be different. The problem is, is that in Scripture, that's not the picture of change and biblical change that we see. In fact, we see something totally different. We see a picture of change that calls for us to let go of ourselves, our desires, our wants, even our very identity, and instead embrace God's identity and God's plan for our life to change the very core of who we are, the very core of who God is. I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. You can tap there on your iPads or your iPhones or whatever device you've got. We're going to be looking at the story of Elijah and Elisha. And this is a story of just great change. We're just going to walk through it and look at how two men of God handled change in their lives. Now, I'm going to warn you, we're dropping in to an incredibly awkward moment all right, this is, this is one of those awkward moments, which for me reminded me kind of, a, of like, guys, when you're getting ready to leave the house and go on a road trip or something, and in all the midst of the packing and getting everything ready, you make that remark to your wife. You, you know that comment that it was ill-advised at best and, you know, at its worst, just flat-out ignorant. The one that as soon as you say it, you're like grabbing for the words, like, no, come back, come back, because all you get is the look. That's it. No words. At that point, you're like, oh, I wish you'd just get mad and yell at me because then we'd be over with this. But instead, you just get the look. And if you're like me, you're a little stubborn, so get in the car and you're like, all right, two can play at this game. I'll be quiet too. Take that. But for some reason, wives are always better at the quiet game. And so you're sitting there, you're like, this is awkward. What am I going to do? What am... And, 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 then, and then you try to like, like cover it up and you're like, it wasn't that bad, was it? My personal favorite, babe, I was just joking. <laughs> if you're lucky, you may get like one word replies like, sure, okay. 
and it's just awkward, and you're like, what do I say? What do I do? You know you're in trouble. You don't want to be in trouble, but it's just, it's just bad, and it's awkward. That's kind of the moment we're stepping into. It's just awkward. It's quiet, because in verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 2, we read, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Now, understand, Elijah is the veteran prophet. He is the man all right, in Israel. This guy had stood up to kings. He had called down fire from heaven. He, he was the guy, all right? And he had taken Elisha. And Elisha was, was his protege, was the prophet in training. He'd take it, and he'd taken him under his wing, and they traveled together, and they'd been together all this time. But now God speaks to them, and he says, listen, I'm about to take Elijah. Change is coming. Big change. Notice how it starts out and how they deal with it. Verse 2, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Elijah's like, Elisha, this is just awkward. We both know what's going on. It's difficult for us. Just, Just stay here. Just let me go do this on my own. And Elisha's like, no way. I'm not. I'm going to go with you wherever you go. You see, Elisha didn't want to let go. He was comfortable. He, he, he was where he wanted to be. He enjoyed studying under Elijah. And everything was great. And he just wanted to treasure every moment. He was thinking, maybe I can hold on a little bit longer. Maybe if I stick around, God will delay his plans. You see, the first thing we learn is that change is uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. You see, it, it forces us to step away from what we know. It challenges us to, to leave the security of the known and take a faith step into just uncharted territory. It pushes us outside of our comfort zone, and we find ourselves in a place where all of a sudden we can no longer rely on ourselves. All of a sudden, what we know in our own strength isn't enough, and we're forced to rely on God. And that's just... That's just huge. I, I mean, that's what was happening here. And sometimes it happens to us. God calls us for, to change. And maybe it's to, to take a new job somewhere or to move away from what we know, a place that's been our home. And, and, and all of a sudden, man, it's uncomfortable because we know we're going to be leaving so much behind. and We're going to be leaving family and friends and everything. And man, that just causes stress. And, or maybe it's, a, maybe it's a relationship that you've got in your life. It's a relationship that maybe you've been in or that you've had for a long time, and God is saying it's time for change. It's time to step away from that relationship. But God, that relationship's comfortable. It's what I know. It's what I'm used to, and God is saying, you've got to step out of that so you can experience what I have for you. Maybe it's a lifestyle, a lifestyle that has identified you and who you are, and now God is saying it's, it's time to change. It's time to change the very core of who you are and to step away from that lifestyle, to step away from that identity. You're like, that's, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. That's how everyone knows me. And God is saying, but it's, it's time for change. That change is, is so uncomfortable. Verse 3, the group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elijah answered, but be quiet about it. They come and they're like, Elisha, Elisha, did God speak to you too? Did he tell you what's going on? Elisha's like, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. He's dealing with this and he's got these emotions. And that's the second thing you need to understand is that change is emotional. Oh my goodness. At first, when, when that change comes, maybe there's the emotion of excitement. And, and there's this idea, man, it's going to be a fresh start. It's going to be a new beginning. And, and you're excited about it. But, 
But then sometimes that excitement, man, it, it, it turns to anger at points. You question, God, why are you doing this? Why do you want me to do this? Why would you ask me to, to surrender and to do all this? Confusion comes. I just, I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to the ones I care about? There's sadness. We begin to miss the way things were. We begin to, to mourn over the loss. At points, there's regret. We step into that change, and it's difficult, and we're like, why did I ever do this? Why did I ever take this step? What was I thinking? We know it's God's will, and we know it's what he wants for our lives, but it still creates this whirlwind of emotions inside of us. But I want you to know, God says that's okay. There's nothing wrong with emotions. He understands it. Look through Scripture. Moses dealt with great emotions. David dealt with emotion. Jesus himself dealt with emotion when approaching change. What matters is how you process it, is how you walk through this emotion. Jesus would spend hours alone with his father in prayer and connecting with God. David, David took to music and through worship would express his heart for God. Even when he was miserable and even when he didn't understand, he would cry out to God through song and through poetry. He'd express it that way. Moses learned the hard way, the consequences of not processing those emotions right because he, he lashed out in anger at one point and man, there were consequences. You see, God understands your emotion and he's okay with your emotion. And he wants to be there to help walk you through that and help you process that. Story goes on in verse 4. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to get to Jericho. Then the group of prophets came from Jericho. They came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take away your master from you today? Of course I know, Elijah answered. Shut up, be quiet about it. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. For the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. You see, this is an amazing example of the kind of people we need around us when we're going through change. We need people who are willing to, to stick around when times are tough. We need people who are, are willing to stand up for us. People who will walk with us through the uncomfortable days and through the emotions and that roller coaster of ups and downs. People who are, are excited for us and are going to celebrate the change in our lives and encourage us as we go through that. They're the kind of people we want by our side when we go through change, but it's also the kind of people we need to be as we walk others through their change. I mean, Elisha is sad that Elijah's leaving. I mean, this is the man he, he, he's learned everything from. They've walked through ministry together. They know everything about each other. And Elisha is hurt and confused, and he doesn't understand it. But this much he knows that he's going to walk with his mentor through this. He's going to walk with his friend through this. And no matter what happens, he's not leaving his side. Just a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's in those moments when nothing makes sense. When life seems turned upside down, when we're hurting, when we're confused, it's in those moments that God shows up sometimes in the biggest way because it's in those moments that we come to the point that we realize we can't do it by ourselves. And we realize that, man, only God, 
Only God can help me at this point. There's nothing I can do. It's beyond me. It's beyond my abilities. And we finally turn to God. And when we turn to God, he shows up in amazing ways. James wrote, he says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He said, come to the point where you just fall on your face before God, and you surrender completely. You've got nothing left. Because in your weakness, it's God who can come and can be strong, who can help guide you through this change. Verse 9, the story continues. Fifty men from the group of prophets. We just can't get rid of this group of prophets. Also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Elijah looks at his protege. He looks at the man that he's been training. He says, what can I do for you? I'm about to leave. How can I bless you? How can I honor you? How can, how can I speak into your life? What, what is it? I, I, I want to do something for you before I leave. I love the boldness of Elijah. Elisha. He looks at Elijah and goes, give me a double portion. Whatever you did, I, I, I want to do it twice as good. I want to be twice the, the prophet that you were. You see, Elijah, Elisha understood that change brings blessing. Change brings blessing. You see, change forces you to step outside of yourself, to get out of your comfort zone, to take that leap of faith. And when you do, God shows up and he does amazing things. We have this picture sometimes of a God who, who, who's waiting for us to mess up who doesn't want the best for us, who actually wants to punish us. And that is not the picture Scripture paints at all. Instead, Scripture gives us a picture of a God who loves us, a good God who wants the best for us, who wants to bless us if we will just follow him in obedience. He says, yes, I understand that move is going to be uncomfortable, and I understand it's going to be emotional starting that new job, but, but understand, man, I'm going to bless you in ways. I'm going to give you new friends. I'm going to surround you with, with new family. May, they may never replace those others. But they're going to bring joy into your life. And I'm going to make sure that, that you're not alone. When he calls you to end that relationship, he says, yes, there may be a, a season of loneliness. But understand it's so that you can turn to me. And you can begin to find yourself and your significance, not in a relationship, but in my love for you. When you leave that lifestyle, there's a fight and a battle that goes on. And it's not easy. But God says, if you will just walk in obedience to me, man, I'll give you peace and joy and fulfillment beyond anything you could understand. In the midst of change, God wants to bless. I think Elijah's response is so interesting. He tells Elisha, you have asked a difficult thing. But if you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. Elijah basically looks at Elijah and says, he says, let's see how bad you want it. He says, I'm not sure you really understand what you're asking for. You see, it wasn't going to be a difficult thing for Elijah because, quite frankly, it was out of Elijah's hands. It was in God's hands. This blessing, he understood that God brought that blessing, and if God wanted to double it or triple it or give him ten times the blessing, that that was in God's hands, and he was capable of doing it. 
but he looks as, as protege, so young and so just alive and, and ready to go out. And he says, do you understand that with the blessing comes a great burden? And the weight of the blessing will be equaled by the weight of the burden. It, it reminds me of the guy. We've all seen that guy. You know, uh, the guy who's like, you're carrying stuff wherever it may be, whatever you're doing. And, and he's really got more than he can handle, but he's big and tough and macho. And he's like, I can take it. I can put more, put more. And he's balancing it. He's trying to figure it out. And all the skinny guys are sitting over here like, mm-mm, you're going to drop it. You're going to drop it. And, and he, I got this, I got this, you know, and so more, more, more. And it's, you know, balancing act. And all of a sudden, boom, just epic fail, epic fall. And all the skinny guys, eh, told you. And gets up and dusts himself off. And like, oh, got to watch out for that hole down there. That's, oh. You're like, dude, there is no hole. You're on a concrete sidewalk. There's not even a crack. He took more than he could carry. And Elijah says to Elisha, ooh, be careful. Be careful you don't take more than you can carry. He says, do you understand uh, what I went through to get this blessing? You understand that? I lived in the wilderness, and I was fed by birds, and I drank from a muddy brook for a lot of my life. Then after that, I lived with a widow and her son, and we barely made it, barely made it through. I was hunted down by a king who, who wanted to take my life. Yeah, you've seen the good stuff, and you've heard the stories, but understand, there's a great burden that comes with this blessing. Listen, it's easier for us to, to look around here at Fellowship of the Rockies and just be in awe of how God is blessing. We talk all the time about the, the baptisms and the salvations and the land and, and the prospect of a new building. And what most people forget is that someone has to bear the burden that comes with all this blessing. That someone is Pastor Charlie. Man, understand the burden he carries is a weight few men could handle. We enjoy the blessing, but he endures the burden. You know, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't let him know how much his ministry means, how much his church means to you and your family, take the time, sit down, write out an email, write out a card, send it in, and just let him know how God has used this church, has used his ministry to radically change your life. Because let's just be honest, a lot of us, myself included, would not be the person, the people we are today, if it wasn't for Pastor Charlie's willingness to carry the burden his heart for people. So, back to the story. That was for free. Verse 11. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Number four, change brings mourning. You see, change not only enforces, uh, forces us to embrace something new, it also calls for us to, to let go of something. You see, we can't take hold of the blessing of God. We can't wrap our arms around everything he has for us unless we're willing to, to let go of the past. Sometimes that past that we need to let go of, it, it's hurtful. It's negative things, bitterness and anger that we have to let go of. But sometimes it's also very good things, very positive things in our life. 
But God says, in order to embrace this, embrace this change, you're going to have to let go of these things so that you can embrace my future. And they're great things and they're good things and it hurts to let go. And so we mourn because we understand that we can't embrace the future without letting go of the past. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 3. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He says, I haven't figured it out. I haven't completed it. I haven't, I haven't got there. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I let go of the past, and instead I push forward. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Elisha knew there were great things ahead. He knew God was going to bless his life. He knew God was going to do amazing things through him. But the fact that he was going to have to let go of his friend and mentor it still wasn't easy. And it still caused great mourning. But he handled it the right way. He cried out to God. He cried. He mourned because it's okay to mourn. See, God may call us to make great sacrifices, but he understands the cost. He understands what we go through because he once made the greatest sacrifice of all in giving his son to die for us. Verse 13. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. It's easy to miss the significance of this verse and in this passage. And, and it's small and it's easy just to glance over it, but... Understand two things. First, that, that cloak that now lays at his feet, that was the same cloak that when he had been called to ministry, Elijah had walked through and, and Elisha was out farming and he was out in the fields and Elijah came up and he laid that mantle across his shoulders, never said a word, laid that cloak on him and just began to walk. And it was a sign that he had been called to be a prophet. It was a sign that Elijah was calling him to come, be mentored and to grow and to develop. And Elisha had left everything behind. And he had been walking, and it signified his call, and it was so important. And now he, now he looks down, and he's at the point of no return. Is he going to embrace the change, or is he going to walk away in fear? Is he going to accept the plan, God's plan for his life, or is he going to go do things his own way? That cloak is, is there lying on the ground. And he reaches down, and he picks it up. He begins to walk over, and he comes to the Jordan River. See, the Jordan River is representative in Scripture of the, the obstacles that will always come between us and what God has for us. And there will always be obstacles. And he comes to this obstacle and where the people of Israel, hundreds of years before, where Joshua had stood. And it stood between them and the promised land, everything God had for them. And now he faces the same thing. The cloak's in his hand. Verse 14. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And the river divided. And Elisha went across. My guess is, is that many of you in this room are dealing with change and have been called to change. But you're walking in the shadows, allowing fear to keep you from God's plan. You're looking at what God has for you, and you're scared to reach down and pick it up. You're scared to embrace what he wants for your life because you know it's going to be uncomfortable. 
You know it's going to be emotional. You know it's going to bring mourning. You even know that it's going to bring blessing, but it's, it's so difficult. Maybe it's as simple as just a, a call to get involved here at the church and to become a ministry partner. And you've been watching others do it, but you've never jumped in and been involved. You've just been content to stay on the sideline. Maybe today, for the first time, you need to accept Christ. You need to accept his mercy and his forgiveness and let him give you a fresh start. Ask him to come into your life. Understand that at one point in all of our lives, God is going to bring us to that point of no return. He's going to take away all the excuses. He's going to take away all the safety nets. He's going to place the cloak at our feet. And what are we going to do? How, how are we going to respond? You have to be willing to decide that I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do what God has gifted me to do, what God has called me to do. I'm not going to walk in fear any longer. And then, then those obstacles, man, they just begin to fade away because you've taken that step of faith and God has shown up. The last thing I want you to know is that change brings more change. Change brings more change. There is always a next step. We never get to that point where change just stops and we can stand still. Because as soon as we begin to embrace God's plan for our life, he begins preparing us for the next step. He begins preparing us for the next, next thing that he has for us. It's not always this monumental life change. Sometimes it's simple things. But God always uses it to draw us closer and closer to him. For us to continue to move forward and take step after step after step to draw closer to him. I love John 14, 12. It's a verse that has just blown my mind over the past year. It's said in the context Jesus is talking to his disciples one last time before he's going to be crucified. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. I mean, Jesus is leaving. That's the ultimate change. And I mean, everyone would think that things are just downhill from there. There's nothing after that. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the only change. There's going to be even more change. He says, because you're going to do greater things than I ever did. Whoa. If that doesn't blow your mind, just think about that. Jesus says, you're going to do greater things than I ever did. Jesus, the one who gave the blind their sight, made the lame to walk, brought the dead back to life. He says, it's actually good for you that I'm leaving because I'm going to send my spirit and you're going to have my spirit all the time. And then you're going to do amazing things. He says, Change is coming, guys. Change is a part of life, and you just have to learn to embrace it. Jesus says, don't get comfortable, because change is going to keep coming, and it's my way of bringing you closer to me and drawing you in and showing you what I have for you. I want to take a moment as we close and just share with you guys the season of change that I've been walking through. These points that I've shared with you, they're all things that I've experienced over the past years, I've walked through what God has for my life. And I've written in the form of a letter so that I can uh, make it through. A little over a year ago, God began to work in my heart in a way that I can't explain or describe. At the time, I didn't know why or for what purpose, but there was little doubt that God was preparing me for something. As Pastor Charlie has instructed so many of us in times past, I continued to move forward not knowing what the future held, but trusting that God would reveal his greater plan and calling as I continued to walk in his ways and serve faithfully where I was. The more time that passed, the greater this holy discontent became. After many long nights talking and praying with Heather, 
endless hours digging through scripture, countless meetings with Pastor Charlie, Pastor Corey, Pastor Dwayne, and Pastor Chad. So many phone calls to my dad that I went over my cell phone minutes for the first time in my life. I came to a very difficult decision. What God requires of me in this season is a radical and unexplainable act of faith that while opening the door for God to move in a new and exciting way requires me to step away from a city, a church, and a group of people who have been not just my friends, but my family for the past nine years. Therefore, it is with many tears and much sadness because of my relationship with all of you, but with excitement and joy because of the powerful way God is leading that I announced my resignation as student pastor at Fellowship of the Rockies. The average stay for a student pastor is only 18 months. So serving nine years is an amazing run. It's a testament to the movement of God that is Fellowship of the Rockies. A testament to your ability to put up with this loud, crazy-haired, flip-flop-wearing kid as he grew up and learned what it really means to be a pastor. It's been an amazing season of ministry. And I've treasured the opportunity to minister with you. I count it an honor to have been part of the story of Fellowship of the Rockies. Goodbyes are never easy, especially after spending so long with people you love and care for so deeply. I'm being completely honest when I say that it's because of these amazing relationships that this is the hardest, most excruciating decision I've ever had to make. At the same time, I have a deep conviction that this is God's best both your future and mine. Students, it's incredibly hard for me to step away from filling a role in your lives that I've absolutely loved being a part of for so long. Truth is, it took me a long time to arrive at this decision. Even after I understood that this was God's plan, I, I couldn't face the sadness that I knew would come from looking in your faces. Faces of people I love deeply. This was my first ministry job. It was here in Pueblo that I bought my first house and that Heather and I started a family. Pastor Charlie would later describe, I was mourning the loss of something and someone that I loved very much. I know there are going to be many questions. No, this isn't my last weekend, but yes, my time here is short. My final weekend will be November 2nd and 3rd, which was the very weekend I began my journey at Fellowship of the Rockies nine years ago. After I took this step of faith, God did exactly what he promised he would. He's opened many different doors for us, and Heather and I are praying through some tremendous ministry opportunities. Please pray for us as we seek God's direction and guidance through this season of change. Again, at the core of this decision is my conviction that it's time for me to live out what I've taught to so many people, both students and adults, when God desires to do radical things in our lives. It often requires radical change. Big steps of faith, sacrifice, and obedience. One of my first series of student pastor at Fellowship of the Rockies was on the life of Abraham. And now I find myself walking the same path of faith as he did thousands of years ago. Please know I have been incredibly blessed to spend these past nine years in ministry alongside all of you. Thank you deeply. Rest assured, I'll continue to passionately pray for you know that this church will hold a special place in my heart forever. I close with the priestly blessing and pray it over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
Thank you, guys. Well, I know these times are always difficult, and uh, it's been difficult for us. We've been, oh no, you guys scoot over one more. There you go, so that they in the theater can see us. We've been in this, on this journey, as Justin has said, for a little bit over a year now, and I know that we've had a lot longer to process this out than you guys have, because you're finding out about this for the very first time. And I can tell you this, uh, We've lived out the Elijah-Elisha relationship. I know it may seem strange to you and it may seem rare to you. Well, actually, this is rare. There's a reason there's a song that says breaking up is hard to do. Because very few people understand how to do it with integrity. And even though we're really not breaking up, God's just changing their assignment. And so over a year ago, we started this journey together. I asked Justin, what could I do for him? How could I bless him? And he was very articulate. He knew what the direction. He kind of knew what God was calling him to do. And so over this last year, we've just worked together. And we together have watched God kind of redirect and reshape and some of these other things. Here's the amazing thing. You know, I've told Justin for many years, he knows this. Um, The problem with Justin, he just has so many gifts. He can do a lot of different things in ministry. I only have like one gift. So, so you guys pray for Justin. You guys pray for Heather. They have some wonderful ministry opportunities ahead of them. But they have the task of selecting the one that is for them. So it would be premature to, to announce anything yet. Over the next week or so, they'll be praying and be making some life-changing decisions about what that looks like. And so I just want to invite you to, to pray for them. Uh, to encourage them. And like Justin said, this isn't their last weekend. November 2nd and 3rd, we're going to do a reception for them. You'll be able to express your love to them, your encouragement to them, uh, but not today. As you can imagine, this is very, very emotional doing this like three times, and you got one to go, Justin, one more. So we're going to keep them hidden in the back room over here. Uh, They'll be with the students tonight. Uh, They'll be with some of their leadership as they begin looking to the future. And I'm going to tell you, the students, Justin's working really hard on Ignite and some things that are coming up because he wants to see this ministry go and he wants to see this ministry grow. And uh, I just realized uh, Justin's granddad is here. And uh, just a real quick story. Why don't you come up and stand with them and we'll dismiss you with them. How's that when we pray for them? You come up. Nine years ago, when we were talking to Justin, and his granddad lives in Canyon City, right? And so he lives in Canyon City, and Justin's granddad learned that he was about ready to take a job with a church in Pueblo, Colorado. And so he was like Caleb. He was the spy. <laughs> and so I met him in the foyer, and he began asking all about the church and this stuff, and all of a sudden I put the two and two together. Hey, you're, you're Justin's granddad. You're checking us out. And he, he was, and he was wanting to make sure that his grandson would be taken care of. And we have watched Justin grow and mature. No one has preached more in this church 
um, the only person that's preached more in this church than me is Justin. Fact is, he's preached a year's worth of ministry of, of sermons to you. And so his ministry far uh, outspans the student ministry here. His ministry is to a lot of you. Where he's communicated in a deep way to you as he's encouraged you through this, the preaching and the teaching of his word. So it's been an honor to serve with him and Heather. It's been an honor to watch him grow and mature. And uh, I want you guys to pray for them. I want you guys to encourage them. And one last thing that I'm really excited about is he is finally starting to dress like me. <laughs> so why don't you guys stand and let's just pray for them. Why don't you guys just extend an arm of peace to them. I know that we can't get around him and lay hands on them. Uh, let me just pray for them and then we're going to dismiss you guys. Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the call that is on Justin and Heather's life. We thank you for how you called them here. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done in their life and in their heart this last year. So we just pray for them. We ask that you'd give them wisdom and discernment as they select and look at the assignment that you have for them. Father, may they know how deeply loved they are here. And we thank you. This will always be their home and their first ministry assignment. And so, Father, we know and we pray and we look forward to the days when we'll reunite. We look forward to the day when Justin will be able to come and just preach and minister. So, Father, we thank you for the ministry of the McVeigh family. And we ask that you bless them big time. Bless their faithfulness. Bless their character. Bless their integrity as they walk with you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.